Good morning, everybody. Sorry, I was a little out of sorts this morning. Um, man, it's been a great weekend already. I, Lizzie, I feel you, man. This has been a busy, busy week this week uh, for our family as well. Um, Debbie, I, you, you, you don't know this yet, but you're about to find out, but you just framed the whole message for us today. So I appreciate your testimony. It's not a little thing ever when God tells you to speak. And we're going to talk about that today. Um, today we're going to be in uh, Luke chapter 1, verse 39 through 45. If you want to want to go ahead and turn to that. Um, I, I want to share a bit of testimony. I was waiting until the kids got out of here this morning because I wanted to explain something. Um, so this morning you probably noticed that I was sitting down during worship, which is not normal for me. Um, but I've got a little girl who is in, cre- she is in a stage of life and you've ha- if you've had the little girls, you've experienced this before where they get super whiny at times that it doesn't seem like they should be whiny, right? Any, any girl parents out there know what I'm talking about? Yes. Okay. And so like every Sunday morning, she's just like, uh, you know, all over me and and so this morning we come in, we got here a little early and the band was still practicing and I was setting my stuff down and Charlie came in and, and the band's practicing and Leah's singing and she is just singing her heart out with Leah because she adores Leah. And, and, and so, <laughs> and we all do. And, and so I'm asking God, like, how do I help her to be, to engage you like this? Like I was praying this morning for her little heart, like, God, how do I engage her heart? And it just kind of occurred to me as we were getting started this morning, what was significant, what was different this morning, I think, is that I was right there on her level singing with her. And it was encouraging her to read the words because you learn how to read, read the words and sing those to God. And so this morning I just said, hey, I, and I sat back down. I said, hey, I'm going to sit down here with you and, and worship this morning. She's like, dad, you can worship standing up too. I was like, I, I know, I know. But, but and so I, I'm just listening to the Holy Spirit and, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sing sitting down today so that we're on that same level. And I don't know if you noticed, but I, you know, I raised my hands in worship and, and in the middle of that first song, Charlie very loudly goes, Dad, why do you keep raising your hands like that? <laughs> and I said, do you remember when you were younger or even now, sometimes when you want my attention, you put your hands up? And she's like, yeah. And I said, that's what I'm doing, but I'm doing it with God. And I don't know if you noticed, if you were, I hope you weren't paying attention to me, but if you were, her little arms kind of what, and she's just trying it out this morning. And so I, I just wanted, I wanted, one, I want to share that testimony, what God's doing in the heart of my little girl, continue to pray for her. But also, I want to say thank you for the freedom for your pastor to be able to sit down during worship. Normally, that'd get you kicked out of a church. But, but I appreciate you guys um, letting us, kind of letting me pastor my family along with you. That's such a blessing, and so I appreciate it. Man, we had a... Um, Great evening yesterday. We got to, to celebrate with Paul and Rachel uh, as they were u- reunited in marriage. Man, what an answer to prayer. Um, we have been praying for that family, and, um, and God's just been doing an incredible work in their lives. And so uh, I just want to say thank you uh, on behalf of myself and Rachel and Paul uh, for being here and supporting them, whether you were here at the wedding or you came to help decorate, all of that. Um, none of it was unnoticed, and I appreciate your, your ministry to them. It's a, it's a big deal. Um, so this morning, testimonies were awesome, worship was good, and now we get to dive into Luke's narrative. Last week, um, we covered Mary's experience where Gabriel shows up and uh, tells her that God has chosen her to carry the Messiah in her womb, and that was an incredible uh, opportunity for her. What a blessing, and, and we're going to talk more about that today. I want to recover a few details of the story because it's important because we're going to pick up where we left off last week. Uh, I want to remind us that Mary's about 13 years old. She's visited by an angel, Gabriel, uh, who tells her that God has chosen her to carry the Messiah in her womb. Gabriel tells Mary who this baby's going to be and the things that he's going to do for, for her and for the rest of the world. 
He, she tells him, you know, he, Gabriel tells her that he is the son of God, the savior of the world, the continuation of the line of King David, the fulfillment of God's promise to redeem the world. She's carrying all of that in her belly. Um, and in response to this overwhelming moment and news, Mary, as a, as a young teenager, responds in faith. She believes Gabriel and offers herself to God's service. Um, and, and Luke includes this part of the story to show us that Jesus is not just another prophet, that God is doing something special in this new baby, that he's the son of God. And we can know that because he, he plays out, he lays out for us the fulfillment of all these prophecies of prophets like Isaiah and Jeremiah, so that as people heard this story, their minds would connect the dots of what God has been working in, in his plan all throughout their history. The details that Luke covers in this story are vital because they, they help us to understand the nature of God and the glory of his birth and the claims that Jesus is later going to make about himself. So we're reminded last week that God wants to do the same kind of powerful work in your life, right? He, you're not going to give birth to the Messiah. That's already happened. That's not what I'm talking about. What I'm saying is the power of the Holy Spirit wants to work in your life in similar ways as what he did for Mary. So... Um, I also want to remind us, I appreciate Leah, Leah bringing this up this morning, is that God's not limited by our age, our social status, none of that stuff. Our ability to do things or not do things does not limit God. So we're going to pick up today right after Mary chooses to be used by God and the angel leaves. So we're going to start in verse 39, we'll read through verse 45 and then we'll, we'll break it down. It says, in those days Mary set out and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judah where she entered Zachariah's house and greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped inside of her, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Then she exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and your child will be blessed. How could this happen to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For you see, when the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby leaped for joy inside of me. Blessed is she who believed that the Lord would fulfill what he has spoken to her. Amen. I don't know if this happens in your life, but I've noticed in my own life that when I learn something, like when I really learn it, it, it just becomes part of my subconscious. And what I mean by that is I find myself doing that thing, but I'm not thinking about the fact that I'm doing that thing. Does that make sense? I'll give you an example. Um, Friday night, um, I had to go get some hay for our horses, so went and bought a trailer load of hay, and I got home, and the boys came out to help me unload this hay. And so as we're doing that, we're, if you've never unloaded hay, maybe you've done pine straw with Craig or something like that, but it's in a bale, and it's got strings, and you pick it up, carry it off the trailer into the barn, and you stack it, right? And so I'm bringing bales of hay, and Joshua's bringing bales of hay, and Luke is not picking on you, Luke. Luke's struggling, okay? And as he's struggling, I'm reminded, in case you didn't know, that's exactly what I looked like at 13 years old. Little bitty guy. And it's not that Luke's not strong enough because he can pick up a 50-pound sack of feed, put it on his shoulder, and carry it wherever he needs to go. It's not a strength thing. It's just awkward. And so as I'm, as I'm watching my son and I'm thinking about how I moved hay, because we did a lot of hay when I was his age, how did I do it? Well, at that same time in life, I'm learning how to calf rope. And if you're unfamiliar with that, that's the one where you ride the horse out and you're chasing a baby cow and you rope it and then you jump off and you run down the rope and you pick the calf up 
throw it down, and you tie his legs together and throw your hands in the air, okay? That's calf roping. And so as I'm learning how to do that, Will, as a 13-year-old who maybe weighed 80 pounds, is going to jump off this horse and run down and try to pick up a calf that weighs a couple hundred pounds. Do you see the problem? Yeah? Okay? The calf way outweighed me. And so what I learned how to do, I don't know if you've ever noticed when you watch calf rope, and next time you see it, you'll notice this. When the cowboy gets to the end of the rope where the calf is, Horse is backing up, and the cowboy's pulling away from the horse, and he puts his knees out like this, and he picks up, and he uses his knees as a fulcrum. A fulcrum is the point where a lever touches whatever you're leveraging, okay? And so you pull back, and the calf's legs come in the air, and he falls on his side. Well, I learned that process, calf roping, but I translated that to picking up hay. Bend down, you pick the hay up, and now I've got it up at knee level, and when I need to pick the hay up, I'm not strong enough. I'm already, I'm as high as I can go right here, right? But I can use my knee and throw it. And so I'm explaining that to Luke, and I realize as I'm explaining that to Luke, that here I am, a 40-year-old man, and I'm picking up hay, and guess how I'm throwing it? With my knee. (laughs) I don't need to anymore. I'm plenty strong enough to just throw it with my arms. I'm a good bit bigger than I was when I was 13. But that process of moving hay is ingrained in my brain, and I don't think about the fact that I'm doing it that way. My point is, the reason I bring that up this morning is because this weekend, whenever I, got, I sat down and pulled out my notes and my outline from when I did my writing weekend, I started looking through my notes and I started looking across the, the bullet points or the, the outline points that I made, and I realized that what I had outlined is the abiding cycle. I didn't realize that when I was doing it. It's in my subconscious. Seeing that pattern has become a part of who I am. It's not something that I think about. I don't sit down with Scripture and say, okay, in this narrative, let me, let me outline the abiding cycle. Now, there was a point in my life where I certainly was doing that a lot because I wanted to understand it. I want to see it in Scripture. I want to know for myself that it's a real thing that happens. I simply now look at the story, and these are the things that stand out to me. And this is significant because Luke's intention is to show us that the person of Jesus is who he says he is. Remember, Luke's writing this thing. He researched for himself to find out, is Jesus really the Messiah? And then he writes all this down, sends it to Theopolis, and it spreads throughout the church that this this person, Jesus, that claimed to be the Messiah really is the Son of God. And here's how we know. Here is the proof. Here is the story. Here is the eyewitness testimony. As I read this story, I see God's activity in Mary and Elizabeth's life, and that is the proof. That's the purpose of this whole message. Luke tells this part of the story because it's Elizabeth and Mary's personal testimony to God's activity in their life. This is the kind of thing that you would stand at this microphone and tell, right? I hope you would if something like this happened in your life. So I want you to look at this with me. The first part of this cycle is God speaking um, through what we talked about in last week's passage. Can you all read that up there? Is it too small? It's pretty small. Okay, I'll make it bigger next time if I do this again. But God speaks through Gabriel. That's the first part of the abiding cycle. Okay? We talked about that at length last week, so we're going to keep moving. The second milestone in that abiding cycle is that Mary immediately obeyed God, and she was blessed by it. Actually, Mary submits to God's will and then goes to see Elizabeth, and then she immediately obeys God, and then she's blessed by that. Mary moves forward in obedience by going to see Elizabeth. So I want us to, if you got your Bible open, I want you to flip back or just turn, look to the previous page at verse 36, chapter 1, where Gabriel says this. He says, and consider your relative Elizabeth, even she has conceived a son in her old age, and this is the sixth month for her who was called childless. 
in the in the CSB that I just read, it says consider. But if you look at other translations like uh, the ESV or the NIV, it uses the word behold. Gabriel's not just giving Mary information. He's not telling that just so that she can have knowledge that this thing has happened. He is telling her to go and see. You don't say behold something that's 90 miles away. Did that map come across, Leah, uh, Anna? That's also pretty small. Can you see the orange line on there? That is, the top up there is Nazareth, and down at the bottom where it kind of dog legs is Jerusalem, and then the town that they believe that Elizabeth. So when Mary went to see Elizabeth, she didn't go down the street. That's about 90 miles that she traveled. Now, we don't know how she got there. It was either on foot or riding on a donkey or, or something like that. But that's, that's a significant amount of time to go see somebody. So when we're talking about the fact that Mary obeyed Gabriel to go and behold, because you can't behold from 90 miles away, right? Everybody understand that? She had to go see. So she makes this trip. So when we talk about Mary's obedience, it's not like, okay, God, yeah, I believe it. I'll check it out next time I'm that way. This is a significant moment. She knows Elizabeth. She knows how old Elizabeth is. And if this thing that God has just said to her is true, then surely this thing that God said to Elizabeth must be true. And I'm supposed to go see it, so let me go see. So she moves in obedience. Mary expresses her faith through her actions. She believes God to the degree that she's willing to undertake this long journey. And what did she find when she gets there? Sure enough, Elizabeth is exactly as Gabriel described. Gabriel said to Mary that she's about six months pregnant. When you're six months pregnant, it's obvious that you're pregnant, right? So she gets there. And also, we're going to see this theme kind of roll out as we move through the book. And, and we talked about it this morning uh, in worship, that God always does what he says he will do. That is going to be a reoccurring theme that we see through the book of Luke. And I've probably mentioned that already. So she gets there, and not only is Elizabeth pregnant, but look at what happens when Mary enters the house. Look at, at verse 40 and 41 again. Verse 40 is just the setup. This is where she entered Zachariah's house and greeted Elizabeth. So she walks in and is like, hey, Aunt Elizabeth. I don't know if it was her aunt, but I'm going to assume it was, okay? When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped inside of her, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. So I want us to see that Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit upon hearing Mary's voice. That's the, the second major um, portion of the abiding cycle. Anna, if you'll put that other slide up there for me. So we, we see that God speaks through Gabriel. Mary submits and goes to see Elizabeth, right? Mary's obedience became a blessing to Mary. And the catalyst, I want you to understand this. Mary's obedience became a blessing for Mary, and it became the catalyst for Elizabeth to see more God-exclusive activity. Mary's obedience revealed God's true nature to Elizabeth. Look back, and, and I want to show you how we know that. Look back at verse 15 in Luke chapter 1. We talked about this a couple of weeks ago. Verse 15, um, look at the, the B section of that, if you will. It said, Gabriel is telling Zechariah, he will be filled with the Holy Spirit while still in his mother's womb. Talking about John the Baptist. So Gabriel tells Zechariah, you're going to have a son. In fact, he will be filled with the Holy Spirit before he's ever born. Once again, we see that God did exactly what he said he was going to do. They didn't know how that was going to happen. But God used Mary and her obedience to work in Elizabeth and Zechariah and John's life. 
you to consider for a moment what it does for a person. Perhaps for you, when God gives you a series of promises and then the first one happens just like what he said, what does that do for the rest of those promises? It informs them, right? You're like, man, God said this and he did this and now, okay, all the rest of the stuff he said obviously is going to work because it was all in one conversation. I'm, I'm going to move forward in more faith because now I understand more of who God is. As we step out in faith and then experience God's activity, it builds our faith. We talk about this all the time. This is not new information. But I want us to see in the story that we're seeing that play out, that God is choosing these two women and works in their lives to change our lives. I do want to say while we're right here, if you're here today and you're still waiting on the fulfillment of a promise, I would ask that you simply continue to move forward in faith and be patient and trust God. Because he reveals in Scripture, he reveals in my life, he reveals in our lives over and over and over again that he's going to do what he says he's going to do. He always comes through. That's how it works in abiding. We obey, God acts, we come to know him better. And as we abide, not only do we come to know God better, but our friends and our families do as well. We don't talk about this aspect of abiding as often, but we see it happen in a couple of different ways in this part of Luke's gospel. Look at the completion of this particular cycle. So, so God speaks to Mary through Gabriel. Mary obeys, goes to see Elizabeth. Elizabeth experiences the fulfillment of her promise that Gabriel made to Zachariah about being filled with the Holy Spirit. And then Elizabeth praises God. She praises God for what he has done in her life. Next week we're going to talk about Mary's experience and her response to this. But for today I want us to see this. That their experience, their gnosko, remember that word? Their experience of the Holy Spirit reveals God's character to them because now both of them have had these moments where an angel has spoken to their family and said, here's the things I'm going to do. And then God begins to work those things out. Both Mary and Elizabeth know God better because of their combined obedience. I can't say this enough, so I'm going to say it again and again until we don't need to hear it anymore, but your abiding helps other people to experience God. It's not just about you. And in our story today, Elizabeth would not have been filled with the Holy Spirit if Mary had not obeyed. And I want us to think about that. When we face the choices in life sometimes of, am I going to believe what God said? Am I going to move forward? Am I going to express my faith through action? It's not just about you. Because Elizabeth had no idea what God was doing in Mary's life. But God did. And he used Mary. He used that 90-mile journey to change Elizabeth's life. This week as I prepared for Paul and Rachel's wedding um, and thinking about all the things that God has done in their life to bring them to the place that they are right now, um, it blows me away. Because, and I kind of alluded to this earlier, but the people in this room, the people in their life group, the people at uh, Pineville Christian Church that are loving on them, all of us have played a role in their lives. Our abiding, our obedience to do and to say the things that God has called us to do made a difference in their life. That's ministry, y'all. It's meeting needs. And they had some. One of the scriptures that they wanted to use, that they brought to me and said, we want to use this in our ceremony is out of 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7. I want to read the broader context of that because as I was thinking about this message, I was thinking about what we're talking about right now. It's incredibly applicable. So I'm going to read out of the NLT. That's why I got two Bibles up here today because um, I like the wording just works out a little better. 
So it'll be up on the screen, but um, here we go. Starting in verse 1, we're going to read through verse 10. It says, And so, since God in His mercy has given us this wonderful ministry, we never give up. We reject all shameful and underhanded methods. We do not try to trick anyone, and we do not distort the Word of God. We tell the truth before God, and all who are honest know that. If the good news we preach is veiled from anyone, it is a sign that they are perishing. Satan, the God of this evil world, has blinded the minds of those who don't believe, so they are unable to see the glorious light of the good news that is shining upon them. They don't understand the message we preach about the glory of Christ, who is the exact likeness of God. We don't go around preaching about ourselves. We preach Christ Jesus, the Lord. All we say about ourselves is that we are your servants because of what Jesus has done for us. For God, who said, let there be light in the darkness, has made us understand that this light is the brightness of the glory of God that is seen in the face of Jesus Christ. And then verse 7. But this precious treasure, this light and power that now shines within us is held in perishable containers, that is, in our weak bodies. So everyone can see that our glorious power is from God, is not our own. We're pressed on every side by troubles. We are not crushed and broken. We are perplexed, but we don't give up and quit. We are hunted down, but God never abandons us. We get knocked down, but I woke up again. Sorry, I couldn't help myself. But we get up again and keep going. Through the suffering, these bodies of ours consistently share in the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may be seen in our bodies. God uses us, fragile jars of clay, on purpose to carry and to reveal his light to the world. In us is a treasure. It's the Holy Spirit. It's the light of God. And God put that treasure in us, in these fragile jars of clay, these bodies that are prone to make mistakes. God purposely used us so that when something good happens in our life, it becomes obvious that it is God who is doing the work, not us. It is him who is sustaining our lives and his activity, not us. This is how God was working in Elizabeth and Mary's life. Not only are they women whose value at that time, if you look back at that point in history, their value is directly tied to their ability to, for childbirth. Okay, And so God is using women who were not normally mentioned in Scripture, and I find that interesting. God uses these women, one who is way beyond the age of childbirth and who has been ridiculed for that. And one who is not quite there yet, who hasn't had all the things happen in order to give life yet. God uses both of them. Neither of those two would have been the ones chosen by any person who was like, okay, I'm going to put a plan in place. Let me go pick the right women. Those are not the ones that would have been chosen, right? God chose these two nobodies to prepare the way for Jesus and to bring Jesus into this world. This is arguably one of the most important parts of our redemption story is the birth of Jesus. And God chose an old lady and a little teenage girl. I want to reiterate again, it doesn't matter who you are, the stage of life you're in, or whether you feel like you are good enough. God wants to work through you, and if you allow him to do so, he is going to do incredible things in your life, and I wrote this before she gave her testimony, in your community's life. This morning, Lizzie testified to responding with grace to someone who was not given grace. Also, it was in the kids' stuff. Y'all picked up that too. She pointed that out. God's got a theme for us, man. 
if we will be the people that God's called us to be for ourselves and also for our communities, people are going to see that. And that's noticeable in the lady's final response of saying thank you. As we share our experiences with God, the truth is revealed about God and about his character. Look again at verse 45 in chapter 1 of Luke. Elizabeth said, blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill what he has spoken to her. Elizabeth Elizabeth proclaims Mary's blessedness, and it isn't because of who Mary is. Mary is blessed because she is allowing God to use her, to work in her life. And church, God wants to work in your life the same way. He wants to use you to make himself known to your friends, to your family, to your communities. He wants to bless us, and he wants to bless the people in our lives through our faithful obedience. Luke writes all of this so we can put the pieces together and understand that God is going to do what he says he's going to do. If you'll allow it, God will prove this to be true in your life as well. Whatever God's speaking to you, choose to believe him. Move in faithful obedience and experience God's exclusive activity in your life. Church, this is how we share the gospel. We're going to use this, but before we ever get to to this point, we're going to share our stories. We talk about that all the time. I I got one more story I want to share with you, and then I'm going to wrap this up. Last week, one of my subcontractors uh, came to my office, and we were reviewing some of his billing that he sent to us. Um, and, and this is the, the kind of meeting that has the potential to go real bad real fast, right? If, if you don't understand the contractor-subcontractor relationship, whenever I'm bidding on a job, I called this guy and said, hey, I need you to give me a price to do this section of the work. He gives me a price, and then, that's what we're, and then I turn that price in along with the rest of my prices to the owner, and they say, yes, do the work, okay? So we're a year and a half. This is part of that grambling project that kind of went upside down on us. And, and so... Um, I had asked him to send me his final billing, like whatever he's got left in the project so we can close that thing out. And he, he sent it to me, and it was about $20,000 more than his original bid. And that's not how that's supposed to work. There were, no, there were no change orders or anything like that. He just sent me a way bigger bill than he should have. And so he came by the office the next day. I had not had a chance to respond to his email yet. And I was like, hey, hey, come, come here, let's, let's talk. And I was like, um, uh, the, we gotta, you're going to have to show me how you got to this number because I've got to take this to the owner and justify why he's going to pay $20,000 more than what we originally agreed to. He's like, oh, okay, I'll, I'll get that for you. I said, just send it to me in an email. That'd be fine. Well, two days later, he shows up in my office, and he kind of plops this giant folder down on my desk. He's like, man, I, I just figured it'd be a lot easier for us to just talk through this than me try to compile an email. Are you okay with that? It's like, yeah, sure. And so here I am with this other grown man who's probably 15, 20 years older than me. He's got a lot more experience in the industry than I have who has to explain himself to me. This, what I'm, I know how he looks at me. I'm a young punk, right? And so we start going through this, and, and you can feel the tension in the air, right? You've heard people say that, like you could cut it with a knife. That's how it felt in my office. Um, and so I'm talking to God about this, because I'm nervous too, because this is not going to be fun. And I don't, I don't know if you know this about me, but I do not like conflict, okay? And it came to me this time. And so as we start walking through that, he gets very flustered, because now he can't figure out how he made his numbers work out, and, and, he's, got, and he's just very dis- disorganized. And I was like, okay, hold on, let's, let's do this. Show me your, um, your invoices for all the parts that you got. And he's like, okay, this is the number. But I took all my markup out. And I was like, no, no, don't take your markup out. Leave that in there. You need to make a profit on this. That's how this is supposed to work. So we start writing down numbers, and we walk through this whole thing. 
And, and as I'm, and the reason I moved in that direction, and I asked, I said, "Hey, let's let's work through this number by number," is I felt like the Holy Spirit was saying in that moment that this guy needs grace, and so I did that. Instead of saying, "Nope, you can't make your numbers work. We're going back to the original amount. That's it. Said done." I had every right to do that, but instead of doing that, I obeyed the Lord and I said, "Okay, let's work through this thing." And we did. And sure enough. His number was very close to the number that we ended up with at the end of the day after we did all those calculations. And so I said to him, here's what I want you to do. I want you to take this back to your office, and I want you to work through all this again and make sure that we agree on this number before I turn it in. And he just kind of paused, and he said, why would you do all this for me? And I got to talk about God's grace. And Scripture came up. And I talked about hearing God's voice and what God was doing in that moment as we were having that conversation. He's like, how do you know that? And I reached over on the corner of my desk. There's a couple of copies of The Binding Cycle. And I said, check this out. This is a book that our church wrote that describes this whole process that we just went through. And he's like, I, I can have this? I was like, yeah, absolutely. That's why they're sitting there. Church, I'm not telling you that story because I want you to see me as the hero. What I want you to hear, I want you to understand, is that in our everyday lives, God is going to give us opportunities to share the gospel. And it's going to start with us revealing to people what God's doing in our lives. This, this subcontractor, this guy I've known for a long time, now knows something more about God because I allowed God to speak through me in the middle of a meeting that normally that would not come up. God wants to do that same kind of work in your life. It doesn't matter what industry you're in. If you're not a, don't work for a general contractor, that doesn't mean this example doesn't work for your life. All of us face tension in work, amen? It comes up, it happens. Sometimes we have people who come in and they're not upset with us. They're just upset, period, about something else. And we got to deal with that. In all of those circumstances, God has an opportunity to work through you. But it requires that we pay attention. And it requires that we move forward in faith even when what God is telling us to do is not how you normally handle things. The way I handle that subcontractor is not how that typically goes. Leah can probably testify to that. Normally it would be like, nope, this is the number you gave me. That, sorry, if you lose money, that's on you, buddy. Church, God wants to work through us. He wants us to have experiences like Mary and Elizabeth did where we walk in obedience and it doesn't just bless us, but it blesses other people too. And the way that works is by us paying attention, listening to God, doing what he says, and then sharing with people what we just saw. Let's pray together. God, I'm so thankful for your work in the life of our church. I'm thankful that this morning through the testimonies that, that were shared that it's obvious that that our people understand what it means to abide. God, I ask that you would help us to filter that through every area of our lives, not just the places where it's easy, but that God, as we are walking with you day in, day out, when those moments arise at work where we're flustered, where we don't know what to do, that God, our first reaction would be to, to, to ask you, to talk to you. I ask that that would become so ingrained in our DNA, into our subconscious, that we don't even have to think about it anymore. That that's just who we are because that's who you are. Father, that we would be made in your likeness as you work through us. God, transform our hearts and our minds to be like you. God, it's our, it's our desire to know you and it's our desire to make you known. But that only happens as we allow you to work through our lives. So God, give us that desire every day. Especially when we don't feel like it. God, work in us and through us. In Jesus' name we ask, amen.